Amen and amen. I hope you're having a good Monday. We are late right now. I am had some technical difficulties as we had to change some things around a bit here. Uh, we put the flooring in. Uh, Saturday night, we were up working till about midnight, probably 1130 midnight, uh, getting the flooring put in here. And uh, we had to move everything out of the studio uh, over on this side of the studio and do all that good stuff. And so that took us some time and and messed, uh, and I didn't mess anything up, but just changed things. And, you know, when you do that, then you got to fix everything. So hopefully you can hear me okay. Uh, and all that good stuff. Yep, that is uh, Baptist history. Uh, it's a picture for Baptist history and all that good stuff there. So it is a nice picture for sure. And and we'll be working on things, tweaking everything in the studio. Um, all that good stuff there. So anyway, uh, we are going to talk about Joseph Smith today. Master Mason Joseph Smith. And... What I'm going to do is read you something first. Uh, let's Carl asks, is that, was that picture in, in the meeting house? Yeah, it was in the meeting house before. And we moved it out here to the studio. I've got another one that we're going to move here. I, I might put it over here. Uh, we'll see. Oh, it'll be actually to this side. But anyway, um, but yeah, so I'm running late today because I was trying to fix everything and get everything moving, working right here, and it wasn't wanting to. We darkened the picture just a little bit. Andrew said it looks really good, so I don't know how it looks to you guys, but he said it looks fine. So anyway, um, we'll see. I, I don't know. He put kind of me in focus more here, so I'm in the focus a little bit. Uh, you know, easier for you guys to kind of see and all that good stuff. And and uh, Bobblehead Charlie's with me. Bobblehead Charlie. Don't ask me why that was just tweaking a little bit over there, but. Am I in my basement? No, I'm not in my basement. I am in the studio. Studio is not in my basement. The studio is in an undisclosed location, a secret location with a coded locked door, bulletproof windows, bulletproof walls. I'm just kidding. Not really. Not really. I'm not really that important. But anyway. You definitely got to get a bobblehead Spurgeon. Ezra broke my first one. Jacob's offspring corn cob, alias corn cob, broke my first Spurgeon bobblehead. I, they had a brother Beller bobblehead, and I, I asked Mrs. Beller if she could get me one, and she she hasn't been able to. If you know anybody that's got a, a a Pastor Beller, a James Beller bobblehead, I want one of those. But anyway, there's no bobblehead 
Brother Beller bobblehead right now. But there was one before he died. They had one. They made one up. So Corn Cob busted my Spurgeon bobblehead. I think it was Corn Cob. I can't remember. Maybe it was Levi. I don't know. One of the boys busted it. This thing keeps glitching. I don't know if it's glitching on you. That internet signal's messing with me. I don't really need this on. That doesn't have to be on. Yes, boys. And we've got plenty of them around Old Pass Baptist Church. So that's okay. We, we, we're praise God for the boys and the girls and all the children. They're a blessing. Even when they break my Spurgeon bobblehead. And then I look over and say, shall we now call down fire from heaven to destroy these for breaking my stuff? No, just kidding. Just kidding. Okay. Well, now we are going to hear this sermon today. Much of this sermon that was preached back in 2015. So... We're, we're going to listen to that today. And I'm going to interject some things, but I'm going to start with something a little different. Um, there's a book called Vatican Assassins. It was written by Eric John Phelps. And I don't agree with everything uh, Brother Phelps has to say or anything like that, but I do agree with much of his research on the Jesuit order. And um, I think it's his information is very helpful. So basically, what what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you his portion because here's the question that has to be asked: Why was Mormonism founded? And Eric John Phelps in his Vatican Assassins book, which is like a 2,000-page book that's not in print. It's online. You can buy it, and you should buy it, to be honest with you. It's the greatest research on the Jesuits, modern-day research on the Jesuits, and he is the finest historian on the Jesuits, barring any disagreement I have with Eric John Phelps. Uh, the truth be known, he is the best researcher on the Jesuits. It is called Vatican Assassins. And it can be purchased at vaticanassassins.org. So, um, and you should buy it from him. These men put a lot of years of hard work into all their stuff and people should support Funding, you know, the, the, their research and things. You don't have to agree with the guy 100% to see that his stuff is valuable. But the, there was a purpose 
that Mormonism was created. And I'm going to read it to you right now. The birth of Masonic Mormonism and thus the fame of Brigham Young can only be understood in the light of America's anti-Masonic movement of the 1820s. In August of 1826, Captain William Morgan of the Batava Lodge of New York made public his illustrations of masonry by one of the fraternity who has devoted 30 years to the subject. For revealing the first three degrees of Blue Lodge masonry, Morgan was kidnapped on the 19th of September. He was drowned in the the Niagara River. The people of western New York, where Morgan had lived, rose in all their might and attempted to find and punish the murderers. But to their surprise, sheriffs, witnesses, jurors, and judges hindered the investigation, as they too were secret masons bound by oaths of loyalty to the Brotherhood over all civil oaths of duty to their communities. The outrage led to an anti-Masonic convention in 1828. In 1829, Baptist preacher David Bernard published his Light on Freemasonry, revealing the first 20 degrees of the craft. By 1830, tens of thousands of northern Masons had disbanded their lodges. It was at this time that Masonic Mormonism was born. And here is the key. Here is where Masonic Mormonism was born. On April 6, 1830, in the very same state out of which arose the anti-Masonic movement, Mason Joseph Smith, boldly calling himself a second Mohammed, privately founded a new religious society surnamed after the Society of Jesus, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Fully intending to build the Temple of Zion, the center of the earthly kingdom of Jesus Christ, Zionist Smith fell into disrepute over his polygamy. In 1844, he was murdered in jail by a mob while giving the Masonic grand hailing sign of distress. And Brigham Young became the prophet. In 1846, at Council Bluff, Council Bluffs, Iowa, while moving 10,000 of his followers west, Young met with one of the order's most powerful American Jesuits. Here he is. Jesuit DeSmit. This is the this is the Jesuit that was the handler of many groups out on the prairie, many groups in the Midwest. He would oversee this man right here. DeSmith would oversee and propagate and 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 push the murder of the of the Lutheran Protestants in Minnesota, here in my home state of Minnesota, they would, they would, oh, he would oversee it, but with, by, by stirring up the Sioux, which I'm going to read to you, he would stir up the Sioux Indians and Albert Pike and the other 
Fat Albert Pike and the other group would come together and they would be a part of this maniacal plan to destroy Protestantism. The prophet, the Jesuits directed Young to move his saints to the great valley of Salt Lake. Young, Brigham Young obeyed and upon arrival organized his new nation of the desert along with the lines of the Order Socialist Paraguayan Reductions. In 1857, Masonic President James Buchanan, controlled by the Jesuits since his early 1857 arsenic poisoning, began a political agitation over the government of Utah, igniting the bloodless Utah War. He dispatched a military force led by Masonic Army Colonel Albert Sidney Johnston to put down Masonic Brigham Young's refusal to submit to federal jurisdiction. In this, Young's desert only benefited because Johnson allowing Mormon raiders to steal 800 army oxen. The same year, Young ordered Bishop John D. Lee to lead the force composed of Mormons and Paiute Indians to murder nearly 130 heretic Protestant immigrants at Mountain Meadows, pursuant to the Order's Wicked Council of Trent and the Bloody Jesuit Oath. In the spring of 1858, Masonic President Buchanan arranged for a free pardon if the Mormons would submit to federal authority. The chief negotiator between both parties was the Jesuit Pierre Jean de Smit. Jesuit coadjutor Brigham Young died in 1877 and will one day answer to the Lord Jesus Christ. End quote. You can get Vatican Assassins at VaticanAssassins.org. Right there. Order it there, the PDF, and download it. Buy it from him. It's probably like 30 or 40 bucks or something. It's not that much money. Well worth it. Well worth it. And again, you don't have to agree with everything. Eric has some interesting takes on a few things. That's fine. I don't have to agree with them to be right with God or to use material that is good history. Here's another quote about the Masonic Lodge. To gain possession of Jerusalem in order to rebuild Solomon's temple for the Pope after which every Masonic Lodge is patterned, by the way. Years later, the Jesuits using high-level Freemasonry would begin a powerful cult in George Washington's, and this is what Eric John Phelps says, George Washington's Calvinist Republic of the United States. The new brotherhood would be called the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Mormonism. Mormonism. Being another salvation by works religion like Roman Catholicism, its founder, Joseph Smith, was a high-level Freemason. 
Again, here's another quote. His successor, Brigham Young, was also another high-level Freemason who in 1846 at Council Bluffs, Iowa, had a private meeting with Pierre de Smet, one of the most powerful American Jesuits of the 19th century. Being the foremost Jesuit of influence among the Indian nations, Desmet using Confederate General and 33rd degree Freemason Albert Pike incited his Sioux Indians to mass murder 800 white Lutherans of Minnesota while having procured the exemption of Jesuits from the draft during America's bloodbath. See, they got the Jesuits the Jesuits got a free pass from the draft. And all the Protestants and Baptists, they made sure that those Protestants and Baptists got murdered in a ridiculous civil war. Being the foremost of Jesuit influence among the Indian nations, Desmet using Confederate General and 33rd degree Mason Albert Pike. Possibly Desmet would have personally visited Young on his settlement in the West, furthering the Mormon agitation via Gnostic Freemasonry. For the Mormon leaders sought to create their own nation. Now, Are you ready? Here's what I want you to understand. Let's go to... Hang on. The Mormon Temple. Okay? That's the Oakland one. I think it's in Salt Lake City, right? Okay. Why was this built? Or why why did the Jesuits, through the Masonic Order... Wish to build Mormonism. Of what use does Masonic Mormonism have to do? Of what use does Masonic Mormonism have to do with the Pope's Antichrist kingdom? We read uh, again from... uh, Eric John Phelps' work, Vatican Assassins. Dear Truth Seeker, that service, that service is the genealogical record keeping so accurately maintained by the Mormon hierarchy. And for what purpose? The practical non-religious answer can only be to keep track of the world's racial Jews enabling the Jesuit general using his fascist military dictators to locate, arrest, imprison, and murder the physical descendants of the sons of Jacob, having yet to inherit the promises given to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and David.
There is a record. The Mormons keep very accurate records. Databases upon databases of genealogical records. Part of the beast. Part of the beast kingdom. That's one of the reasons. People keep adding to the beast. Right? Okay. I think that's all I'm going to read from that at this time. Now we're going to get into... Our sermon. A few different text verses I want to deal with here. Second Corinthians chapter eleven, verse number thirteen. Okay. Second Corinthians chapter eleven, verse number thirteen. For such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Hmm, interesting, isn't it? And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the, as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. All right, now I want you to think about this for a second here, because that's exactly what we're dealing with here today, and we deal with Joseph Smith. He called himself an apostle. He called himself a prophet. And what does it say about them? What does it say that happened to them and, or what would happen? It says, marvel not. It says, don't marvel at that. It says, but He says, for such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel. Now, today, we marvel at that. We don't, for some reason, most people, they don't, they don't believe there's false prophets out there. Among Christian uh, Billy, people like Billy Graham and others like that, they don't believe that they're false prophets. They don't believe that they could possibly. You, you look at the, uh, have a dialogue with some people sometime and just talk. We were warned over and over, drawing men after them. Hey, wait a minute. What does that sound like? So none of them, because it's a satanic cancer is what it is. It's a spiritual wickedness is what it is. And once it gets into a, into a body, it infects the body. Beliefs, you will not be a member of this church. You will not be allowed in this certain circumstances. None of those devils and wolves are coming into this church. They're going to get kicked out. They're going to be separated from this place. They're not entering into this assembly. If you hold to charismatic beliefs, you will not be a member of this church. You will not be allowed in this place. You will not be. Why? Because it's a satanic cancer is what it is. It's a spiritual wickedness is what it is. And once it gets into a, into a body, it infects the body. And you're not going to have it here. It's not going to come here. By the grace of God, we'll keep it away. And I'll tell you what, it's a lot harder to keep away than what you think, friend. It's a lot more of a challenge. I preached this back in 2015. Little did I know that little devils were there at the same time, and I dealt with them. God dealt with them. Amen. We'll keep it out. Same thing goes for these cults. 
contest ain't over. No, you can see on the video that that brought um, what's his name? What's that scary, spooky guy that like looks like he has like four hundred devils in him? Yeah, that guy, Copeland. Man, that guy's got so many demons in him. It is just it's over. We all agree. Well, I agree. You all agree. Okay, Baptists are not Protestants. They their origin did not come from the Protestant Reformation. Amen. Baptists are not Protestants. They did not come from the Protestant Reformation. We were reformers long before Luther. We were protesters long before Luther nailed his theses. We were we, uh, onto the wall. We were we were around before Calvin in Geneva. Amen. My, his thesis is what's this? No, I didn't say that. You stop. What's the matter with your husband anyway? He says in verse number six, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you under the grace of Christ into another gospel, into the grace of Christ under another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and will pervert the gospel of Christ. Well, that'd be Joseph Smith. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. Plain and simple, that man was accursed. That's exactly what he was. Now, uh, we talked about in the first message, we dealt with the fact that, that Joseph Smith was a witch. We dealt with his, his ties to uh, uh, astrology and his ties to hereditary witchcraft and his ties to, uh, uh, he used charged objects, he used talismans. All the things that God said that we shouldn't use, he used divining rods. And he, and, he, and he said that the rods had power in them and everything else. And he consulted familiar spirits. He did a lot of things. Uh, he had visitations from spirits and everything like that. So, you know, it's safe to say he was a witch. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty simple to say that he was a witch. Witch. Amen. It's just plain and simple. Well, now we're going to talk about Joseph Smith, the Freemason. All right? The Master Mason. Joseph Smith, the Master Mason. And then I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you how on the Mormon temples, I'm going to show you some pictures. Sorry you won't be able to see them very clear. Me and Brother Aaron are going to work on some, some uh, PowerPoint stuff to where I can actually have a screen for you and, and show you some of these services. You can come look at them, too. But see, there's some confusion here uh, for most people. They just think, oh, well, they just have an all-seeing eye there. It's no big deal. Well, where do you see an all-seeing eye in the Bible? In a positive light, that is. Where do you see? We see, we see that idle shepherd with his right eye poked out. You know, it's gone. He didn't have a right eye. We see that idle shepherd, but that's not our shepherd. Amen? That's not our shepherd. So Freemasonry, I, if you don't understand Freemasonry... Uh, go back and listen to the sermon, Why I Preach Against Freemasonry. If you don't remember that one, go back and listen to it. And um, that should tell you just about everything you need to know about Freemasonry. So I'm not going to get into everything about Freemasonry. I'm just going to show you how Joseph Smith was a Freemason. If you don't understand Freemasonry, go back and listen to that. That'll explain to you what Freemasonry is, okay? But we're going to talk about their, their obviously, obviously Freemasonry is a cult, okay? It is. It's an esoteric cult. Um, they, they hold the secrets of the mysteries. Uh, they're a mystery religion. What do we find in the Bible for mystery religions? Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of all harlots. Is the, is the Bible a mystery? Uh, no, it's not. It's already been revealed. Amen? God says, behold, I show you a mystery. And then he explains it to you. Right? 
what, what do the esoteric religions do? Well, on the first and second level, what we teach you is, is uh, well, this is what this means. But after a while, every true Master Mason knows and high-level Freemason knows that we just lied to you through all those other degrees. We didn't think you were worthy to tell you the truth. But after five years of being a Freemason, now we'll start to tell you the truth of what really this all stands for. Maybe. And then you continue to go up and up and up, and then you start to learn some things when you get deeper into witchcraft and everything else. Okay, now... Let me, I, I want to paint a picture for you to get you to understand this. Okay, Joseph Smith was like Aleister Crowley in some ways. So what do you mean by that? Well, Aleister Crowley went to every different compartment of Satan's kingdom to gather power and knowledge so he could be a high-level witch. Joseph Smith did the same thing. He was into astrology. Uh, he, you know, he had, he had talismans, he had charged objects, uh, he was a Freemason, he gathered it all together, and I really believe that he was murdered because he took the secrets of Freemasonry, and he took them into the Mormon temple, and that was a no-no, and I think they killed him for it, and we'll, we'll talk about his death a little bit there, um, anyway, so the history of the church records Smith's entrance into the Masonic Lodge in 1842. Tuesday, on a Tuesday, the 15th, it says this. I officiated as grand chaplain at the installation of the Navo. Does anybody know how to, how to pronounce that word? The Navu or Navo? Nav, it's N-A-U-V-O-O. Man, Navu? Is it Navu? I think it is Navu, yeah. Navu Lodge of, what's that? Yeah, it's a town. Yeah, it's the town that they're in. The Navu Lodge of Freemasons at the Grove near the temple... <laughs> That great, great. It just can't even get any easier than that, can they? It's not even hard. This becomes too easy. The Lodge of the Freemasons at the Grove near the Temple. Grandmaster Jonas of Columbus being present and a large number of people assembled on the occasion. The day was exceedingly fine. All things were done in order and universal satisfaction was manifested. In the evening, I received the first degree in Freemasonry in the Nauvoo Lodge, assembled in my general business office, History of the Church by Joseph Smith, Desert Book, 1978, Volume 4. So he's admitting that he was a member of the Freemasonry. But look at this. The next day, the next day Smith recorded, Wednesday, March 16th, I was with the Masonic Lodge and rose to the sublime degree. Well, that was quick. One day. The Mormon involvement in Freemasonry reached its heights during the early 1840s in Nauvoo. In the Encyclopedia of Mormonism, we read this. The introduction of Freemasonry in Nauvoo had both political and religious implications. Eventually, nearly 1,500. Now, I want you to listen to this closely, okay? Because I think you're going start, to start to understand how Freemasonry, all Mormonism was, was I believe personally, when it's all said and done, it was just a haven for witches. Bill Schneblin records that, that uh, when, he was, when he was a high-level witch... They told him, okay, they told Bill Schneblin, they said this to him, if you ever get in trouble, this high-level druid told him, if you ever get in trouble, like you lose some of your power or whatever, go to the Mormon temple. Because the Mormon temple was created for Freemasons and for, and for witches. That's what it was for. So that's exactly what Bill Schneblin did. By the way, I disagree with Bill Schneblin on a number of things. But he is absolutely dead on that 
the Mormon church was founded for the resurgence of the Masonic order. That's the purpose. It was founded for the resurgence of the Masonic order. So the Schnebelator is right about that. There's a song called John the Revelator or Bill the Schnebelator. You can change the words to Bill the Schnebelator. He's playing peekaboo with his wife in the woods with long robes on and and uh, going to the rude awakening, the Michael Rude, rude awakening. But regardless of what he says, he's absolutely correct with that. That's exactly what happened. Because Bill Schneblin got into some trouble because see what he did. I'll be praying for you in Jesus' name. At Mormon Church, and after a year, he was entered, he got a temple invite. So you don't always get to go to the temple. Not all Mormons go to the temple. The, the stuff that I'm going to talk to you about, most Mormons have never heard. And the reason why is because they don't go to the temple. They're not invited there. You have to go by invite only. Because of the secrets of the temple. They say they're secret. By the way, why is the Mormon temple a secret? Why are there secrets? There's, of course, in a church, there's there's things of privacy in the sense of like, if someone came to me that's struggling with something as their pastor, I don't go broadcast it to everybody. I pray for them. I try to help them in that sense, right? Uh, that's understandable. But there's no secrets there's no secrets at uh, to doctrine or secret doctrine at Old Paz Baptist Church. Everything is is open from the scriptures. The Bible is open; it's not closed. Right. Anyway, so he went there to the temple. And he was a Mormon for nine years, and he rose all the way up through the ranks and was in the temple and went through all the different steps and degrees in the temple. Which I'm going to show you some of those degrees and talk to you a little bit about the comparison. I'm not going to do all of them, because there was like 30 similarities between all the degrees, and I didn't want to go through all those. I don't want you to have to listen to all of them, because some of them are really weird anyway. So we're just going to do a few of them. But anyway, to show you the difference, that all it is is high-level Freemasonry in the temple, of Mor in the Mormon temple. That's all it is. They were all a bunch of witches and masons. That's all they were. But I don't want to just tell you that because then you'll go home and say, well, pastor says it is that, but he didn't give me any proof. Now, I'm going to give you all the proof today, just like I gave you an hour and a half worth of proof before. So somebody says, man, these are real long. Yeah, they sure are. But none of your friends, family, relatives, or people you know are going to accuse this preacher of not having his facts backed up because it's all going to be in there. And you're going to be able to say, oh, here it is, here it is, here it is, here it is. Anyway, so Schneblin went through there. He went through all those ranks and everything, and then he ended up reading the Bible for himself, and then he got saved, and he left the Mormon. He had a meeting with the Mormon higher, all the apostles, all the people, all the temple uh, staff. Yeah, it was awesome, yeah. Nobody got saved, so you couldn't do this for a time and everything, and that's the way it was. Well, just remember, always outwardly they say these things. It's just like Rome, like, you know this whole, this whole thing that's together, like Rome and and Freemasonry are like enemies. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, like, like they're enemies. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, well, well, they're enemies. They're not, they're not enemies. Come on. <laughs> Listen to me. All the top levels of all of these religions, even a lot of these Protestant religions, all of these top level where they're, where they're not local New Testament separated churches, like churches like this, 
that are separated. There's no outside authority. This is the authority that the Lord Jesus instituted. He's the head of the church. Amen? Amen? That's right. You can. That stuff up, man. <laughs> anyway, all right. The introduction of Freemasonry in Nauvoo had, had both political and religious implications. Eventually, nearly 1,500 LDS men became associated with Illinois Freemasonry, including many members of the churches, that's the Mormon church, governing priesthood bodies. This is at a time when the total number of non-LDS Masons in Illinois lodges barely reached 150. Did you hear what I said? 1,500 LDS men. The only non-Mormon men were 150. You think it's an accident? No. <clears throat> the Salt Lake Tribune in May 4, 2002, printed a picture of the original Nauvoo Temple weather vane, which shows the Masonic symbol, the compass and square above the angel. Every detail of the historic Nauvoo Temple was reconstructed in the, in the new Nauvoo Temple, meticulously with one exception, the flying angel weather vane that graced the top of the 19th century Mormon edifice. In its place is a gold-leafed angel Moroni, or the angel Moron, uh, first used in the Salt Lake Temple. Now, I'm going to show you some of these pictures here, because, again, remember, Masons hide their everything in pictures, okay? Here, this, is, this was the original angel on the temple. Okay, you see that? Does anybody notice anything about that original angel there? Anybody notice anything that's on there at all? You see the square and compass? You see it? Yep. The square and compass. Hey, I'm turning my volume up. Knock that off. That's the square and compass right there. As is above, so is below. There you go. Look at that. Okay. Sorry your eyes are bad. Can't help you in the back. You shouldn't have paid for the cheap seats and you would have been able to see better, okay? All right, these guys paid for the expensive seats. That's the way it goes. Right, Brother Paul? Brother Paul's a front row Baptist so he can see all the pictures. <laughs> right, Brother Paul? He wants to see the pictures. Came to church to see pictures. Can't see them in the back, can you? So Look at that. right back there. See that right there? You get right with God, you'll start looking at those, you'll start sitting up front. Amen. All right. You at home better just join the church and get over here so you can see these pictures. <laughs> oh, anyway. <laughs> Down the recliner. <laughs> they're going to pause it, and they're going to, like, blow up their screen. <laughs> oh, I see it. Okay, anyway, i got to keep moving here. <clears throat> Some speculate that the horizontal angel which with its compass and square, may, may be too closely associated with Masonic rituals for modern Mormons. That's what they said in Salt Lake Tribune on May 4th. They said, this seems off, an awful lot like, like Freemasonry. No kidding. Well, yeah, it should. That's why Joseph Smith was killed, I believe. At least that's why they say he was killed. You know, you never can trust these people because there's, there's so much, they're, they're, they're liars, you know. Anyway, uh, Reed Durham says this. He says, there is absolutely no question in my mind that the Mormon ceremony, which came to be known as the endowment, introduced by Joseph Smith to Mormon Masons, initially just a little over one month after he became a Mason, had an immediate inspiration from Masonry. It is also obvious that the Nauvoo Temple architecture was in part at least Masonically influenced 
Indeed, it appears that there was an intentional attempt to utilize Masonic symbols and motifs. The sunstones and the moon and the star stones were examples. An additional example was the angel used on the weather vane on the top of the temple, above the angel's beautiful compass and square in the typical Masonic fashion. Now, I'm going to show you some more of these pictures here, and I'll read some comments, and it won't... Now, just remember this, that that's done on purpose. Joseph Smith admitted to being a master mason. So he puts the symbol on the building. Exactly. You just have to remember some of this as I show you these, okay? Anybody know what this is? It's an inverted what? Pentagram. So tell me, why is there an inverted pentagram on a, on a, in a, in a circle in the Mormon temple? There it is. On the Mormon temple. Why? Because symbols mean something. That's why. This is a language that they speak. I'm going to share speak. with you some other pictures here about this, too, that will be kind of interesting to you. This is the language that the Masonic order speaks. They speak in symbols. Look, look, I want you to understand something. Evil never stops. If they get dragged to the light, okay? If they get brought to the light, remember what Eric John Phelps said. He said that Captain Morgan had revealed what was going on. Uh, the, the first three degrees of the Masonic order, he was murdered. No, no one wanted to try those people that murdered him. There was an anti-Masonic movement. And at the same time, Joseph Smith rises up. Joseph Smith rises up and starts another Masonic order called the Mormon Church. Masonic order, keeper of the mysteries. Hidden hand of Freemasonry. All it is, a fundamental version of Freemasonry. That's who they are. That's what they do. Okay, so understand that. That's the language they speak. Some slides that I took from a video, which, by the way, I don't recommend everything this man says, Bill Schneebel, because I don't agree with some of the Hebrew root stuff he does. But one of the things that he says on there is very true, and he, show, he, he talks about why they built the architecture the way they did. And he explains it, and I'm going to teach you some of those things here today. Uh, by the way, this, besides it being spooky, who does this? Yeah, occultists do it. Masons do it. Those of esoteric religions do it. What in the world is the purpose of putting this on anything that you would call a church building? It's ridiculous, isn't what, it? It's what is that thing, anyway? <laughs> it is Holy. satanic. Buckets. It's done for a reason. What's that? Yeah, it is satanic. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain to you the reason, okay? I'm going to show you. Oh, this is from the Masonic Order. This is the craft and its symbols. Remember that sun you just saw? See, there it is. 
There's that. Oh, you want? Yeah, we'll, I'll show you the all-seeing eye on the Mormon temple. Whoever thought of putting that there? Oh, here it is. Here it is. Come on, you can't make this stuff up. See that? Now, why? Why? Because it's a witch. That's why. There you go. Look at it. Did you know he called his inner circle the Illuminati? On record. I'm serious. These these cultists make it just too easy for me to do this. Because it's not even that hard, really, when you just start gathering facts together. They they tell their own story. And the thing is, is that they're not ashamed of it, okay? They're going to tell you, this is what we believe. This is what we hold to. Oh, then here's, how about the hand grasping? See that? Yeah, see that? It's on the Mormon temple. Oh, but Joseph Smith didn't model anything after the Masons. Of course not. Of course he did. Not at all, right? Oh, and then we couldn't forget about the Masonic beehive. Couldn't forget about the beehive, right? We had to put the beehive there. You know what the beehive is? Well, we'll talk about what the beehive is, so I'll explain it to you a little bit. Oh, here's another one. Oh, by the way, that was on a Masonic, uh, actually, there. This is the, is the beehive, um, or excuse me, this was the Mormon temple. Okay, that was the beehive there. This is, this is the beehive Freemasonry. Same thing. Why? Because he was a Mason, and he was an occultist, and that's what he believed. Just like you believe things, right? So you, here you go, the Monte Tabernacle, uh, the Sunstone Salt Lake Temple, cloud stones with rays of light, Salt Lake Temple, and moonstone in one of its phases at the Salt Lake Temple. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And all of these things can be found in Freemasonry. Okay, the inverted pentagram. It's everywhere. Again, I showed you those. Uh, by the way, this is, this is the satanic inverted pentagram. Oh, that's the same thing, isn't it? That's the one they use. That's the one on the temple. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yep, that's right. Baphomet, yep, yep, yep. Okay. So, I want to read you just a few things uh, that, that I got from this, from this Temple of Doom video that I've seen. Uh, Miss, Mrs. Smith, Lucy Max Smith, said in her autobiography that the family cast magic circles and practiced, practiced faculty of abric. By the way, have you ever heard anybody say abracadabra? Don't say that. Don't say that. Why? Because that's an incantation. It's witchcraft. Don't say abracadabra. There's a magic of abric. It's, what it's, it's, it's called the faculty of abric. Yeah, don't say that. Yeah, that's, that you, you're, you're speaking their language. No, it's not just Bugs Bunny. Although I find it funny that you have a little Bugs Bunny cartoon, and what it's, what it's done is, is indoctrinate children into witchcraft. Got them saying the words and talking like a witch. Don't say that. Masonic and occult origins. The temple rite was so similar to Masonic ritual that for a century the Grand Lodge of Utah declared that the LDS Church was a clandestine lodge. 
heavy influences from occultism and Freemasonry. Now, what is this called when they put these, these signs on buildings? What is it called exactly? Well, I hope I can pronounce it right. It's called mega <laughs> polysomancy. Yeah, mega, P-O-L-I-S-O-M-A-N-C-Y. That's what it's called, okay? This is an esoteric science of masonry, the magic of building great cities, constructing buildings in such a way that they became the habitation of devils. Yeah. So are you saying that they actually put those signs on there so devils would come to that place and be welcome there? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. No, actually, that's what they're saying. I'm just telling you what they said. Well, who wrote that article? I mean, what kind of, what kind of, that must have been written by a Baptist. No, that was written by Anton LaVey. He called it the law of the trapezoid. Frustrums, mansard roofs, and haunted houses. The spires of the Salt Lake City Temple are trapezoids. See, they admit it. Archaeometry, ancient Masonic canons. The Masonic canon of using numbers and measurements in architecture, number of pillars or spires on a temple relating to gods being worshipped. Also the proportions used in the building. Golden mean is the best. These numbers or dimensions can also be used to attract evil spirits. Just like you know how, how they, the witches, they draw a circle around them and then they... Uh, Hiram Smith? Yeah, Hiram... Right, he doesn't live in those houses. That's right. That's why the church, the body, is the church, not the building. The body, amen, the people, together, amen. These numbers or dimensions can also be used to attract evil spirits. That's what they're for, okay? Um, in, in Masonic and Occult Symbols Illustrated, I have this book somewhere. I don't know where it is, but... Um, Anyway, she says this, you will find the satanic pentagram invaluable and indispensable as you attempt to draw from the infernal power of our Lord Satan. This extremely powerful amulet is the summation of the microcosm and is the summation of all the occult forces. In other words, there is no amulet or talisman more powerful as the satanic pentagram. Okay, so these people know what they're doing. They draw pe inverted pentagrams, they, draw them, they, they carve them in their buildings, they put them in there. Why? Because they know they're trying to attract devils. That's what they're doing. Now, look at most of those big, nasty Roman Catholic buildings. I've already showed you the architecture in that. I've already went through there and showed you the all-seeing eye on all these buildings and everything. You've seen that. I'm going to keep moving on. The beehive, Masonically, is an emblem of industry. When and why the hive of the bee entered Freemasonry as a symbol, no one knows. In the book, The Early Masonic Catechisms, the bee in masonry is mentioned as early as 1724. That's from the book called The Craft and Symbols by Alan A. Roberts. LDS researcher Michael Homer discussed the Mormon use of Masonic symbols. So they admit it. Hey, well, yeah, we use Masonic symbols. Even after the turn of the century and the abandonment of polygamy, the same comparison to masonry was made. The First Presidency stated in a message on October 15, 1911, that because of their Masonic characters, the ceremonies of the temple are sacred and not for the public. Mormon use of Masonic symbols has only been publicly acknowledged has also been publicly acknowledged. Mormons were hardly discreet in their depictions of symbols long associated with Freemasonry, including the square, the compass, the sun, I showed you those pictures, the moon and stars, the beehive, the all-seeing eye, ritualistic hand grips. You've seen the picture of the hand grip, right? 
two interlaced triangles forming a six-pointed star, and a number of other Masonic symbols on endowment houses, temples, cooperatives, grave markers, tabernacles, church meeting houses, newspaper mastheads, hotels, residencies, money, logos, and seals. Similarity of the priesthood and Freemasonry, the relationship between Freemasonry and Mormonism by Michael W. Homer. Mormons own a lot of businesses too, by the way. They have a lot of money. Yeah, well, yeah, some of the heads of the, uh, the, the yeah, joint Jesus staffs and all of them were, six of them were, were, high, were uh, Mormons, temple, high-level temple Mormons, yep. Yep, yep, uh, Mitt Romney. His family goes way back. Yeah, way back. His father, George Romney, ran for president. Yeah. Yep. When trying to explain similarities between Mormonism and Masonry, one LDS author, author wrote this. Masons who visit the Temple Block in Salt Lake City are impressed by what they call the Masonic emblems displayed on the outside of the Mormon Temple. So when the Masons come to visit, they say, hey, look at all these Masonic. Well, what is that then? It's an invite. There you go. Come, home. come on in. They're like, welcome home. Come on home. Why? Because those symbols speak to those Masons. And they speak of their language. Automatically, they know the root of it. Automatically, they know exactly what they're saying. When they see these symbols like this right here, especially this, well, they know that's a brother Mason. They absolutely know that's what it is. But the, there was a purpose for the Mormon, Masonic Mormonism. There was a purpose for it. And it worked. You, one could say it worked masterfully. Because it did. It absolutely did. It's done more to promote the Masonic order than nearly any faction at all. So now do you understand why that high-level Druid told, told Bill Schneblin when he was, a, when he was a, a, a witch? He said, hey, get to the Mormon temple if you ever have any problem. It's a safe haven for us. And? Without any apologies, we frankly admit that there may be some truth in these statements. Mormonism and Masonry introduction. That his ministers be transformed. Amen. Without any apologies, we frankly admit that there may be some truth in these statements. Mormonism and Masonry introduction by Cecil McGavin, Bookcraft. Later in the same book, McGavin stated this. In the diary of Benjamin F. Johnson, an intimate friend and associate of Joseph Smith, it is recorded that Joseph told me that Freemasonry was the apostate endowment of sectarian religion, was the apostate religion, as sectarian religion was the apostate religion. Elder Heber C. Kimball, who had, seen a, who had been a Mason for many years, related that after Joseph Smith became a Mason, he explained to his brethren that Masonry had been taken from the priesthood. 
got that twisted around a little bit, but okay. Prior to 1860, most Masonic writers accepted the legends of Freemasonry, with claim, which claimed that it originated in antiquity. Although these claims were challenged by most anti-Masonic writers in the United States, most Masonic writers refused to discount these claims until a school of English investigators began to evaluate lodge minutes, ancient rituals, and municipal records. Eventually, this movement debunked the notion that the rituals practiced in speculative Freemasonry originated before the 16th century. Gould and others argue that the best evidence indicated that operative Freemasonry originated with trade guilds in the Middle Ages and that the development of speculative Freemasonry with ceremonies and rituals similar to those practiced today began in the 17th century. The rituals of Freemasonry have never been static, but have evolved both in time and place. Now I'm going to tell you something. Freemasonry goes back to the Knights Templar. Mm -hmm. It goes way back. For example, only post-1760 rituals include separate obligations for degrees, in conjunction with signs, penalties, tokens, and, ward, and words. The form found in most subsequent rituals and the same format followed in the Mormon temple endowment. Similarity of priesthood and masonry. A dialogue, a journal of Mormon thought, volume 27. The masons were sometimes accused of being a band. And it was claimed that one of their objects was to plunder. The Book of Mormon speaks of a band of Gadianton. In, Hel in Helaman 11.10, who did commit murder and plunder. Now, I'm going to give you some similarities here in the, levels, in, in the different levels of Freemasonry and the levels of, of uh, the temple, the Mormon temple. The word craft was frequently used with regard to Masonry. The Book of Mormon tells us that Gaddington was expert in many words and also in his craft. The Masons claim that there were ceremonies that went back to ancient times. In Masonry Exposed, page 68, the Book of Mormon quotes Gideana, Gideahina as an evil man, as saying, And I, and behold, I am Gideon High, and I am the governor of this secret society of Gideonton, which society and the works thereof I know to be good, and they are ancient, of ancient date, and they have been handed down unto us. 3 Nephi 3.9 in the Masonic ritual, the candidate has a rope called a cable toe around his neck. Now listen to this. They have the cable toe around their neck. In the Book of Mormon, 3 Nephi 26-22, we read, And there are also secret combinations according to the combinations of the devil, and he leadeth them by the neck with a flaxen cord. So one has the cable toe, and the other has the flaxen cord. Same thing. In their ceremonies, the Mason wore a lambskin or white apron. That's from Freemasonry Exposed. According to 3 Nephi 3.7, the Gadianton robbers wore a lambskin about their loins. See the similarities? All the same. In another, one of their, in another one of their degrees, the sign is given by raising both hands and arms to the elbows perpendicularly on one and each side of the head, the elbows forming a square. The words accompanying this sign in case of distress are, O Lord my God, is there no help for the widow's son? That's Freemasonry exposed. Now listen to this. John D. Lee claimed that Joseph Smith used the exact words that a Mason is supposed to use in case of distress. When he was, when he was, in, the, when he was in the jail cell, somebody slipped him in a gun. Because there was a crowd forming out there of hundreds of people that were going to kill him and his brother. They were going to kill him because then they had done a lot of stuff. They burnt the printing press down. They, caused, they, 
They were taking everybody's wives. They were stealing their daughters. These guys had done a lot of stuff. So John D. Lee claimed that Joseph Smith used the exact same thing. Joseph left the door, door, left the door, sprang through the door, sprang through the window, and cried out, "Oh Lord, my God, is there no help for the widow's son?" Why did he do that? By the way, that's from Confessions of John D. Lee, photomechanical print reprint of 1880 edition, page five, page uh, 153. What happened? He went out and gave the Masonic sign of distress. He went out there to the front because he thought that the Masons, because he saw out there that there were some men with some rings on. So he thought, okay, I'm going to get out of this. I'm going to get out of this because these Masons, they're going to they're let me go. Because they're Masons and they have to let me go. He went out there and he gave that Mason to sign a uh, sign of distress. And he said, oh, Lord, my God, is there no help for the poor widows or for the widow's son? Boom. No, no help. And they killed him. Dead. Why? Because he tried to start his own order, that's why. So they killed him for it. And Satan was done with him. Satan- See, I'm not even sure that's accurate, that that's why they killed him. I almost think that he was killed so they could further do what they wanted to do. And use that Masonic order without the stain of Joseph Smith. But I don't know. All I do know is when he gave this international sign, is there no help for the widow's poor widow's son? The only help that you can get is through Jesus Christ the Lord, repenting and believing the gospel of Jesus Christ, not Joseph Smith's God of Mormonism, who's a politic of uh, uh, polygamous pimp. There was no help, and there could be no help. Because in the end, Satan will discard of you, and he will destroy you. His power had left him. He didn't have any power left. That's what Satan does to people, okay? When he's done using you, he'll leave you to die. Yep. That's right. Although the Masons in Utah were just were disturbed with the Mormons because of polygamy, there are other reasons why they refuse to allow Mormons to join their fraternity. One of the most important is that they feel that Joseph Smith stole part of the Masonic ritual and included it in his temple ceremony. S.H. Goodwin made this statement. The observant craftsman cannot be long among the Mormon people without noting the not infrequent use made of certain emblems and symbols which have come to be associated in the public mind with the Masonic fraternity. And now and again, he will catch expressions and phrases in conversations and meet with terms in literature, which are suggestive, to say the least. If he should continue his residence in Utah, he will sometimes be made aware of the fact, when shaking hands with a Mormon neighbor or friend, that there is a pressure of the hand as though some sort of grip is being given. Freemason grips. Mm-hmm. According to E. Cecil McGavin, Grandmaster J.M. Orr of Utah... He made this statement in 1878. We say to the priests of the Latter-day Church, you cannot enter our lodge rooms. You surrender all to an unholy priesthood. You have hitherto sacrificed the sacred obligations of our beloved order, and we believe you would do the same again. Stand aside. We want none of you. 
Such a wound as you gave masonry in Nauvoo is not easily healed, and no Latter-day Saint is or can become a member of our order in this jurisdiction. Mormonism and masonry. Now, that's changed, I believe, but back then that's the way it was for a long time. Now, what's another similarity between Temple Mormonism and high-level high Freemasonry? The five points of fellowship are given by putting the inside of the right foot to the inside of the Lord's, the inside of your knee to his, laying your breast close to his, your left hand on each other's backs, and each one putting his mouth to the other's ear, in which position the Lord whispers, Lord, this is, the Lord whispers this, this is a sign of the token. Health to the navel, marrow in the bones. He, the candidate, is raised on what is called the five points of fellowship. This is done by putting the inside of your right foot. Now, what is this? This is Mormonism. Same as Freemasonry. He, the candidate, is raised on what is called the five points of fellowship. This is done by putting the inside of your right foot to the inside of the right foot of the person to whom you are going to give the word, the inside of your knee to his, laying your right breast against his, your left hands on the back of each other, and your mouths to each other's right ear, in which position alone you are permitted to give the word and whisper the word Mahabon. Oh, by the way, that's Freemasonry. The other one was, um, was um, uh, Mormonism. He is, he is told that Mahabon signifies marrow in the bone. Same thing. That's what, the, that's what the Mormons said. Morrow in the bone. They said, they said health to the navel, morrow in the bones. And what do they say in Freemasonry? Maha bone signifies morrow in the bone. We will not reveal any of the secrets of this. The first token of the Aaronic priesthood, here's another one, with its accompanying name, sign, or penalty. Should we do so, we agree that our throats be cut off, be cut from ear to ear and our tongues torn out of their roots. Torn out by their roots. What does the other one say? I will never reveal any part or parts, art of, or arts, point or points of the secret arts and mysteries of ancient Freemasonry, binding myself under no less penalty than to have my throat cut across, my tongue torn out by the roots. That sounds painful. Same thing. Next sign. In executing the sign of the penalty, the right hand palm down is drawn sharply across the throat. Same thing. This is given by drawing your right hand across your throat, the thumb next to your throat. Same thing. Freemasonry, Mormonism, same thing. The grip hands clasped, pressing the knuckle of the index finger with the thumb. The right hands are joined together as in shaking hands, and each sticks his thumbnail into the third joint or upper end of the forefinger. Same thing, Freemasonry exposed. One of the other temple rites is this. Peter now takes Adam by the right hand and asks him, what is this? Adam replies, the, the first token of the Aaronic priesthood. Peter says, has it, has it a name? Adam says, it has. Peter, will you give it to me? Adam says, I cannot, for it is connected with my new name. But this is the sign. He shows him a sign. Now, what happens in Freemasonry? The, now, Joseph Smith called it the Aaronic Priesthood. Aaron, by Aaron. Okay, the Aaronic Priesthood. What does Freemasonry call it? Here's what they call it. Same thing, though. Listen to, the, listen to the words. The master and the candidate holding each other by the grip. As before described, the master says, what is this? He says, a grip. A grip of what? The grip of an entered apprentice mason. Has it a name? It has. Will you give it to me? I did not, so I did not so receive it. Neither can I so impart it. Same thing. Same exact thing. We and each of us do covenant and promise that we will not reveal the secrets of this, the second token of the Aaronic priesthood with its accompanying name, sign, grip, or penalty. So it's another, it's another uh, level, of Freemason, or level of the Aaronic priesthood. Should we do so? 
We agree to have our breasts cut open and our hearts and vitals torn from our bodies and given to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. That's what they said they would do. What does Freemasonry say? I most solemnly and sincerely promise and swear that I will not give the degree of a fellow craft mason to any one of an inferior degree, nor to any other being in the known world, binding myself under no less penalty than to have my left breast torn open and my heart and vitals taken from thence, to become a prey to the wild beasts of the field and vultures of the air. Same thing. Another of the Aaronic priesthood, we and each of us do covenant and promise that we will not reveal any of the secrets of this, the first token of the Melchizedek priesthood. So they call it the Melchizedek priesthood. With its accompanying name, sign, or penalty. Should we do so, we agree that our bodies be cut asunder in the midst of all our bowels gush out. It's kind of a serious oath. So what do the Master Masons say? I most solemnly and sincerely promise and swear, in addition to my former obligations, that I will not give the degree of the Master Mason to any of an inferior degree, nor to any other being in the known world, binding myself under no less penalty than to have my body severed in two in the midst and divided to the north and south and my bowels burnt to ashes. Same thing. Fun guys. They don't sound like very nice guys, Brother Paul. It don't sound like people you'd want to hang out with or anything, right? Yeah, it happened to somebody. Captain Campbell Morgan, it happened to. Campbell Morgan. Joseph Smith's rise of Freemasonry happened at the time of Campbell Morgan. Uh, or not Ca- Campbell Morgan. Captain Morgan. I keep saying his name wrong. Campbell Morgan was a preacher back in the... Back in the he was an English preacher. What's that? Poor guy. <laughs> just, just totally... And then when they couldn't get that done... Uh, they had to let him go, and then they, they basically, one night, he was, they, tried to, they, they had him falsely arrested, and they went into his house and tried to search for his manuscripts, but they couldn't find it, because he hid the manuscripts, so they couldn't get it. So after they did that, when they couldn't get it, uh, he was, he was, a, he was a, um, a Freemason, and he wrote a book exposing Freemasonry. And when he did, it busted wide open, and um, they tried, first they had him falsely arrested, and then when they couldn't get that done... Uh, they had to let him go, and then they, they basically, one night, he was, they, tried to, they, they had him falsely arrested, and they went into his house and tried to search for his manuscripts, but they couldn't find it, because he hid the manuscripts, so they couldn't get it. So after they did that, uh, then, they, that, then uh, three guys grabbed him on the road one night as he was going home, took him, and killed him. They slit his throat, and they drowned him in the, in the, in the, in the river, and they found him, and they found his body like two or three months later or something like that. They, or something that they found his body, and uh, they tried to pull him out of there, and it just so happens that Joseph Smith, one of his wives, was Morgan's ex-wife. I mean, yeah, Morgan's widow was one of Joseph Smith's wives. Here he is. Interesting, huh? Okay, now here's another one. What is this? The Endowee says the second token of the Melchizedek priesthood, the patriarchal grip or the sure sign of the nail. Has it a name? It has. Will you give it to me? I cannot, for I have not yet received it. So what if, what is, that's, what, that's what the um, Melchizedek priesthood says in, in Mormonism. What does the Master Mason say? What is this? A grip? A grip of what? The grip of a fellow craft mason. Has it a name? It has. Will you give it to me? I did not so receive it, neither can I impart it. By the way, they both have the same vow of chastity. 
The grip is given by placing the thumb of the back of the hand and the tip of the forefinger in the center of the palm, representing the piercing of the hand by a nail. It is called the sign of the nail. That same sign is given in Freemasonry. Grand Commander now explains the grip and word of a Knight of Malta. Oh, a Knight of Malta? We've heard of those guys before. Oops. He says to a candidate, Thomas, reach hither thy finger and feel the print of the nails. You see how they blaspheme Christ with this garbage? They join right hands and force the first finger into the center of the palm. Hmm. You and each of you do solemnly promise and vow that you will pray and never cease to pray and never cease to importune high heaven to avenge the blood of the prophets. Who says that? It's Joseph Smith. They had to take a blood oath and a swear that they would avenge the death of their their prophets. What does Freemasonry say? We promise and swear by the living God, always supreme, to revenge the death of our ancestor. Who's their ancestor? Nimrod? We, uh, anyway, Adam, turning to the audience, in your bundles, brethren and sisters, you will each find an apron. You will now put it on. Who puts that on? The Temple Mormons put on an apron when they go in. The master returns to his seat while the wardens are examining the candidate and gets a lambskin or a white apron, presents it to the candidate and observes, Brother, I now present you with a lambskin or white apron. It is an emblem of innocence and a badge of a mason. Yeah, innocence. So who does that? Temple Mormons, they use an apron. Master Masons, use an apron. You see the connections? We now have the veil explained to us. We are told that it represents the veil of the temple. The marks are the same as those on the garments, the compass on the left and the square on the right. What is that? By the way, that's the temple Mormons. They have the compass and the square on their, on their magic Mormon underwear. Okay, Roz S. says masonry is in all the religions. I have never denied that. But Mormonism was founded by masonry. Founded by masonry. That's the difference. Yes, there's a such thing as magic Mormon underwear. And no, I've never seen them. Besides on a video, I saw some magic Mormon underwear. It was kind of weird. but And yeah, I know, it sounds funny. You're saying they really don't believe in magic Mormon underwear. For the Paul, they do believe in magic Mormon underwear. What's that? Reuben Israel waves magic Mormon underwear around. (laughs) That would be funny, actually. I don't know where he got magic Mormon underwear at, but I'm not going to ask him either. (laughs) I guess so. Wow. Anyway. We now have the, the veil. Okay, we explain the veil. The great lights in masonry are the Holy Bible, the square, and the compass. The square to square our actions and the compass to keep us in due bounds with all mankind. Hmm. Wilford Woodruff, the, the fourth president of the Mormon Church, testified this. I do not say there were, there were any washings in the Masonic Temple, but there were meetings held in the Masonic Temple. There were certain ordinances performed there at the start because there was no temple built at that time. So in Nauvoo, what is he saying? He's saying that they went, Joseph Smith was a master mason and he held all that, he held the Temple Mormon 
ceremonies in the Masonic temple. Hiram Smith, Joseph's brother, was also a member of the Masonic fraternity. Theodore Schroeder stated this, At the time of writing the Book of Mormon, Hiram Smith, a brother and co-conspirator of Joseph Smith, was already a Mason, as also were Heber Kimball and others of the neighborhood who became leading Mormons. That was the authorship of the Book of Mormon, reprinted from the American Journal of Psychology. The reader will remember that William Morgan's expose of masonry was published in Batavia, New York in 1827. Joseph Smith could have learned a great deal about the Masonic ritual from this book. We know now that Heber C. Kimball had a copy of it, for his own granddaughter stated this, I remember once when but a young girl of getting a glimpse of the outside of Morgan's book exposing masonry, but which my father always kept locked up. See, Campbell, uh, or, uh, Captain Morgan uh, wrote that book, okay, Morgan wrote that book, William Morgan, he wrote that book on exposing Freemasonry, but, and Kimball had it, and it showed about all the degrees and everything, and, many, and Kimball was a high-level Mason himself. He was way higher than Joseph Smith, he'd been a Mason a long time. And they think that maybe they stole the temple rites from that, and that's what took place, and that's why Joseph Smith knew so many of them. Not sure, really. There's, no, there's not a lot of documentation about, about that. It's interesting to note that Morgan's widow became a member of the Mormon church and lived in Nauvoo. Heber C. Campbell's daughter stated this, In Nauvoo, I was acquainted with the widow and daughter of Morgan who exposed masonry. So think about that for a second now. Who knows if Morgan just didn't come up missing and, and that was really an advertisement for Freemasonry? We don't know. We don't know, right? But what we do know is, is that his widow became part of the Mormon church. Fawn Brody states, states this, The most famous woman in the church was William Morgan's widow, Lucinda, now married to George W. Harris, one of Joseph's key men, and incidentally a mason of high rank. Why did she marry? Her husband died from Freemasonry. She went and married another. Interesting. I think we know why, don't we? Strange as it may seem, Morgan's widow later became one of Joseph Smith's wives. Andrew Jensen, who was the assistant LDS, 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 yeah, I got it right this time. I didn't say LSD. All right. LDS church historian stated that she was one of the first women sealed to the prophet Joseph. Wouldn't that be great to be sealed to the prophet Joseph? Have 18 other women? Wouldn't that be wonderful just to be a a polygamy? Wouldn't that be something to never know if your husband really loved you because he's sleeping with somebody in the next room? I had some stupid Baptist try to tell me one day, well, polygamy's not a sin. You're a fool. What a fool. He said, well, God never said that it was a sin in the Bible. Well, he said he made a male and female. He said a man should leave his father and cling unto his wife, and they too should be one flesh. He didn't say be, fle- be one flesh with all kinds of women, did he? What was, the, what was the example that we were given in the Scriptures? Did we talk about Adam? Did Adam have a second wife? Do we see that anywhere in the Bible? 
Unless you believe the cults that say Lilith was Adam's first wife or something like that. Right? This, that, that polygamy, look what it did. Look at the damage it causes. It's wicked. Satanic is what it is. The Mormon leaders find themselves faced with several embarrassing questions regarding the temple ritual and Freemasonry. Many members of the church wonder how they can believe in a secret temple ritual when a Book of Mormon condemns all secret society, bans, and oaths. In fact, it plainly states that the Lord worketh not in secret combinations in Ether 8.19. Do you realize that everything that Joseph Smith taught, he did absolutely the opposite? It's like the Catholic Church. They say all these things, but in their practice, they do the opposite. That's exactly what they did. So what Joseph Smith said, he said, we condemn secret societies, but he started one. Right. So then he was, he started his own secret society. Well, really, it's just the same one, but he just re, uh, repackaged it. Same dark mysteries, same sexual fornication, same perversion, same revelation, same, uh, perverted prophecies and visions, same thing. Then, too, there is the question of why Joseph Smith would become a Mason. Beside all the statements in the Book of Mormon which condemn secret societies, the reader will remember that Joseph Smith joined four others in stating this. We further caution our brethren against the impropriety of the organization of bands or companies by covenant, oaths, penalties, or secrecies. Pure friendship always becomes weakened the very moment you undertake to make it stronger by penal oaths and secrecy. But then he was a, he was a, he was a master mason himself. And, his, and all of his inner circle were master masons, by the way. Benjamin, Benjamin F. Johnson claims that Joseph Smith told him that Freemasonry was the apostate endowment. So why would Joseph Smith join an organization that was in a state of apostasy? Because he was a satanic liar, that's why. Briefly summarized, the connection between Mormonism and Masonry is as follows. Number one, both Mormonism and Masonry have secret ceremonies that are performed in secret temples. And if that's not the case, then why can't all of us go walk into a Mormon temple and see all your services and watch everything you do? We're not hiding anything, are we? We've got it all live. You can see it all. This is what we do. What are you hiding? Why don't you want anybody to see that? Why don't you want anybody to see what you guys do in the temple? Why is it a secret? Yep. It's a secret because you're of your mother. The harlot. Rome and all her bastard children. Amen. That's exactly where you're from. The mother of all harlots. By the way, we're going to talk about the Jesuit connection to Mormonism sometime soon. So both Masonry and Mormonism have secret ceremonies and secret temples. The Masonic emblems are displayed on the walls of the Mormon temple. Why are they there? The Mormon temple ritual is similar in many respects to that used by Masons. And number number four, Joseph Smith and many of the most prominent members of the Mormon church were also members of the Masonic Lodge. Temple ceremonies were actually performed in the Masonic Hall. Now, what does this lead you to believe? Well, he was a part of an esoteric religion. That's what it was, because Mormonism is nothing more than Freemasonry repackaged into something else. 
Yep. Along with Joseph Smith's other, other witchcraft that he gathered together and his astrology and everything else that he put together. And his buildings, he has all the signs, he has, all, he has the inverted pentagram, he has the all-seeing eye. Why? To gather up devils there for the ceremonies and everything that they do. That's what it's about. And no, do all the minion Mormons that come there that, that do everything, do they know anything about that? Absolutely not. Most of them don't know anything about that. Most Mormons are just trying to live a, li- a, a good life. They're trying to be moral, upright, standing people. They have no clue. They'll never be invited into the temple, and they'll never rise to that sublime degree to where they'll be able to go up into that temple and do those things. Many of them have never heard of that. But I'm going to tell you something. You say, this isn't that important. Oh, really? Well, let me tell you something right now, what's going on. Glenn Beck, with his Blaze.com, is having discussions with people, and he's, bring, he's having Mormon talks with people, and he's bringing them all together. Now go, go to GlennBeck.com and go look at what he's doing, and you'll see everything that that man is doing right now is to draw men into the Antichrist. That's what he's doing. He's mixing religion and politics together, and not the word of God, but, but Mormonism, and he calls it God, and then you have men, you say, well, that's not very dangerous, is it? Well, then why do men like Kirk Cameron, why are men like him going on Glenn Beck's show, and why are they being a part of all that, and why are they, they're not distinguishing between what Glenn Beck is, they're not saying, hey, Glenn Beck, no, you know what Kirk Cameron said when he went on there? It's a good day for the gospel today, because I'm going on, I'm going on Glenn Beck. Go to his Facebook page and look it up. Yep. That's what he said. He said it's a good day for the gospel. Which gospel, you stupid devil? Which one? Which gospel? Not the one found in the Bible, you liar. You think that's the gospel? Yeah, it's a gospel, all right. It's called the other gospel, and it's accursed. That's what it is. It's a Masonic order gospel. It's an esoteric gospel. It is a hidden mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of all harlots. That's exactly what it is. And it's deceiving many people. Blaze.com, millions of people, conservative Christians backing Glenn Beck. You could see him on their threads. I, I, I friended Glenn Beck so I could see all this stuff, so I could look at everything that's on his page. And I'm looking at it, and all these people that are, that are commenting on it. It is unbelievable. They're like, God bless you, Glenn Beck. You're such a wonderful Christian. You're such a good man, Glenn Beck. Praise the Lord, Glenn Beck. Praise the Lord. It makes me angry. What is wrong with these people? It's not the gospel. It's not. Mormonism is not Christianity. It is a cult. It is an esoteric, wicked cult. It is an offshoot of Freemasonry and ritualistic Satanism mixed. It is nothing more than witchcraft. That's all it is. And people are being deceived. You look at I'm telling you they're being deceived by the millions in America. And Glenn Beck's stock is rising. And when people like Kirk Cameron go on Glenn Beck's show to promote his stupid Christmas movie. Oh. Oh, that was a dumb movie. just unfriended me on Facebook. Going on Glenn Beck and saying. Why? Because you went street preaching with him once? Big deal, you sissy. Wake up. Adventist. I said, I told him, Ellen G. White's a witch. You better prove she's a witch. I did. Go listen to the message. Ridiculous. But millions of people are following it, and they're being seduced by it. Why? Because people won't stand up and just tell the truth about it. Tell them what they really are. Mormonism is witchcraft.
Yep. Freemasonry is witchcraft, and they're one and the same. And we need to warn people. You need to tell the truth about what it is. You need to know something about it and tell the truth about it. Their rites are the same. Their symbols are the same. Why? Because they're the same. That's why. Offering for Jesus Christ. Go out on the street with me. I don't see anybody cursing you out there. I see everybody bending Rome and saying, well, St. Nicholas was a, was a Christian. He was. <laughs> well, anyway, the rest of that broadcast or the rest of that sermon, I'm dealing with uh, Kirk Cameron's fake santa claus movie that he did and all that other stuff which is not necessary the bulk of it is out there now you got the understanding of it i showed you the symbols and the different things on the mormon temple in this video so you were able to kind of see that and everything else like that but i you research it yourself but i think you could see very plainly i think you could see very plainly that mormon uh that Mormonism is the Masonic order. Masonic Mormonism, Joseph Smith, the master Freemason. I think you could see it very clearly. I think it's easy to understand, uh, and there's a lot of evidence and proof to it. So what we have to do as Christians is we have to believe the Bible, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Joseph Smith brought Freemasonry. He didn't bring Jesus Christ. Joseph Smith was a witch. Go back and listen to the last broadcast I did. Joseph Smith, a master mason. He's a master mason. High-level witch. Master mason, sorcerer. Deceived the masses. And deceived many women. And started another version of the Masonic Order which is the same, just repackaged. Okay? Very dangerous stuff. And there's only one gospel. That's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Marvel not that you must be born again. You must be saved by the grace of God and have your sins forgiven. You must repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, the Bible says, for it is appointed a man once to die and after this the judgment. The Bible warns us of false brethren crept in unawares who were before of old of this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. They're wicked. They're wicked people. There are false prophets that arise and will speak perverse things to draw men away after them. That's Joseph Smith. That's what Joseph Smith did. That's what the, that's what the, the, the Mormon church does. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. The Bible is clear that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. That no man cometh unto the Father but by him. The Bible is clear that you must repent and believe the gospel to be saved. The gospel is very easy to understand. But you must repent. You must turn to Christ and believe the gospel. 
These men are liars because they deny that Jesus Christ is the only mediator between God and man and men, the man Christ Jesus. They deny that. And in works, they are abominable and every good work reprobate. They deceive men. They took the Masonic order and created the Mormon church out of it. They were polygamists. They were murderers. They were killers. They had a church state. They were working with the Jesuit Desmet to destabilize. They worked with product pro, with they worked with Freemasonry in order to in order to distract people from the gospel and to preach another gospel. That's that's the work that they do. The light of the lodge is Lucifer, not Jesus Christ. They preach another Jesus, another gospel. But you can be saved today by believing and trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Believing that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and that he was buried and that he rose again from the dead. And putting all your faith and trust in him to forgive your sins because you are a sinner and you are guilty before God. And Joseph Smith or any other those other books have no salvation in them. Salvation is found in the Lord alone. It is not found in the lodge. It is not found in the Mormon church. Salvation is found in Jesus Christ alone. The Bible says, marvel not that you must be born again. All right, if you want to say hi, we'll give you a chance to do that. We're going to play a song here, and uh, we'll give you a chance to say hi, and uh, we'll keep going here. For a long time I traveled Down a long, lonely road My heart was so heavy in sin I sank low Then I heard about Jesus What a wonderful sound. I'm so glad that I found out He would bring me out and show me the way Thank God I am free, free, free From this world of sin Washed in the blood of Jesus I've been born again. Hallelujah, I'm saved, saved, saved by His wonderful grace. I'm so glad that I found out He would bring me out and show me the way. Like a bird out of prison, I've taken my flight. Like a blind man that God Gave back his sight Like a poor wretched beggar Has found fortune and fame I'm so glad that I found out He would bring me out and show me the way 
Thank God I am free, free, free from this world of sin. I've been washed in the blood of Jesus. I've been born again. Hallelujah, I'm saved, saved, saved by His wonderful grace. I'm so glad that I found out He would bring me out and show me the way. I'm so glad that I found out He would bring me out and show me the way. All right, everybody. Well, God bless you. I hope it was a blessing to you. We want to get these broadcasts out to as many people and warn them about Freemasonry, warn them about the occult, warn them about those false teachings, and also the clear gospel message that Jesus saves, that that man can repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ by the, by the work of the Holy Spirit, that God's Spirit works on the hearts of men, convicts them. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see, if you're in a place right now, you say, I, I, I don't know if I can be saved. Yes, you can be. You read the Bible and God, and you ask Jesus Christ to reveal, you ask God to reveal Jesus Christ unto your soul, and he will do that. You ask him to, ask him to bring you to a place of repentance and faith in Christ, and he will do that work in your heart and in your life. Uh, and, and the more you read the Bible, the greater and the more powerful it will be. Uh, so God will do that mighty work. And, and then you get into a good Bible preaching church and you learn the scriptures, um, and, and you learn, uh, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and join a new Testament church and serve the Lord there and have brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage you. That's what you need. Don't, don't walk away from it completely because of, um, because of the, uh, the uh, false churches that are out there. Try to find a church that's following the scriptures, that believes the Bible, and believes the Bible is the word of God. All right, so you pray for us. Pray for our ministry. Uh, pray the Lord would continue to bless us. Here's our sermon audio page. Sermonaudio.com slash Pastor Cooley is right there. Uh, the latest sermon I preached, I got to get some more over on YouTube. I'll do that this week here. Proving the will of God. Uh, was the latest one, and I preached part two to that in the afternoon service, proving the will of God. Um, and uh, anyway, so those sermons are are there, and you know, hopefully, Lord willing, you'll be able to listen to those. But uh, uh, pray for us, pray for our ministry. Okay, pray the Lord would continue to bless our ministry. And uh, also. Uh, secondly, if you'd like to give to our ministry financially, you can do that through PayPal. Uh, salvationpreacher at gmail.com is our PayPal address. Or you can go onto our sermon audio page here, click give, and there's the PayPal right there, and you can enter your information there. Or you can mail us something, or you can do Venmo, or you could do Apple Pay, or you could do a number of different ways. So whatever it is the Lord leads you to do, if it's nothing, then pray. Uh What does that mean? Leg dropped a, a mime? <laughs> I don't know what that means. Now the foreman can speak. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, um, but if you would like to, you could do that, or you could mail us something there. If you don't 
do anything at all, pray that God uses somebody else to do it, okay? Because that's, God will use somebody else, all right? So anyway, God bless you all, and uh, take care, and uh, hope uh, hope uh, all is well with your family, and with your families, and pray for one of pray for Daryl, he's stuck somewhere, uh, out playing in the snow, he needs to get a truck, I told you he needs to get a truck, all right? But, um, Daryl's trying to save gas. He's going to get stuck in the ditch all the time. You better get a truck. Anyway, uh, but uh, I'll give him a hard time. All right. Well, God bless you all. Take care. We'll be back, Lord willing, Wednesday. Lord willing, we'll be here Wednesday with a broadcast. And then there won't be any more probably for the rest of the week, I don't think. We'll be kind of busy with family and and uh, celebrating uh, uh, and being thankful for all that God has done for us and uh, our family and our church and everything else, okay? So uh, anyway, God bless you all. Take care, and we will talk to you, Lord willing, very soon.